but it is what it is. We're, you know, we can't close. We can't get the cover the money. So we have to either renegotiate the deal or, or what do you want to do? We're talking about buyer's remorse during a declining market. Look, I get it. The Toronto real estate market is confusing. Whether you're a new or experienced investor or just looking for a home to raise your family in, join us at Broadview Table Talks as you sit around the table with my friends to talk about the real estate and the ever-changing market in Toronto. Hey, so welcome to Broadview Table Talks. We're finally starting up the podcast again. Know, if you have some older episodes that you're listening to, please ignore them all. We're starting up again. Episode what are we talking about today? One. Episode one. Episode, well, season four, I think. But <laughs> episode one. All right, what are we talking about today? We're talking about buyer's remorse during a declining market. Okay, so yeah, as you know, there's been a couple of rate drops recently that happened, rate hikes, and it's dropped affordability like two times. Mm-hmm. So people that are caught in the middle of it that have put a you know an agreement in place in, say, February, and they're closing now, which were in June. Are you guys seeing a lot of backup? Anybody backing away from deals? Anybody wa- wanting to back away from deals? You know, a couple of buyers always ask what we think is going to happen with the market. And they're a little bit concerned because they made an offer a while ago. And it's, yeah, it's, it's not even that they want to back out too. It's like sometimes appraisals don't appraise, right? Mm-hmm. So say you buy something for a million and a half and you only get appraised for a mortgage of, you know, say your, your mortgage was a million and a half and you only get appraised for 1.1 million, 1.2 or something, right? Mm-hmm. You got to come up with the extra remaining... 300,000 mm-hmm. out of cash. And a lot of people can't do that. So actually... They're closing right now. So a period of anywhere from 30 to 90 days. And they're just looking at the news and they're saying, well, what's going to happen? And, uh, you know, as a broker of record, I've had some of these issues already. Some people have actually mentioned deals that they were going to cancel. And what do you do? So you either go back to the table. And actually, Neil, that was your question, right? I wasn't listening. Okay, so... <laughs> No, essentially, yeah, some people have offers on, on the table. They don't get appraised. They don't get the money they're looking for, and they got to come up with 300000 or something or like extra cash, and they can't come up with it. So they go back to the table and tell the sellers, listen, we're not going to be able to close. You, you might have to sue us or whatever, but it is what it is. We're, you know, we can't close. We can't get the cover the money. So we have to either renegotiate the deal or, or what do you want to do, right? Yeah. Have you ever seen that? Luckily, not with any of my clients. That happened in the last uh, downturn. You know, it's the fair housing plan, and I've seen it before too. In two thousand eight, the the tech crash or fair whatever it was, the financial crisis, U.S. financial crisis. I've seen it for one of the uh, properties up in the suburbs, where they listed it for seven ninety nine, sold for one point two, mm-hmm. and then that same property went back on the market for one point one. Yeah, and then it kept on going down to one point four nine. Yeah. Is that the, what happens? That story was the buyers ended up realizing is downturn now they try to somehow just get their money back you know not realizing that there's going to be costs of the agents and marketing and all that stuff right tax or whatnot you know land transfer tax so they definitely we see it i, I haven't done it like nothing ever happened to that with my client but it's a story that I, that I spoke to a couple of agents that was there so for sure what would happen is you'd actually get sued for it you wouldn't just lose your deposit many people think that you just Lose your deposit, right? So and they have to come up with maybe the difference. So if it's sold for like 1.1 and then they ended up going back to the market and it's sold for 900000 they could potentially get sued for that amount too, right? That's right. The difference, yeah. That's right. The original amount. And any realtor costs, any kind of... Exactly. You know, you know anything like that, any other costs involved in it. Yeah. So it'd be pretty catastrophic. So your best bet, if you're in that situation as a buyer, renegotiate with a seller or the seller's listing agent, whatever it is, and... You know, even worst case, there's things like VTBs, like vendor takebacks, right? So in the last downturn, I got caught in one, or one of my clients, one of my seller clients got caught in one. And what we did is we, I, I told the sellers, hey, would you want to do a VTB? So you register a mortgage on title, 
whether or not you have interest on it is one thing, but then, you know, you still have claims to the property as a second or, or something, right? So if they fail to make those payments or don't pay you by the specified time, you could potentially foreclose and get that money back. Mm-hmm. But the sellers didn't want that. It was too complicated. So they luckily they didn't. So we, the, I think the buyers asked for an extension and then they just put, you know, luckily we had the foresight to put more deposit so that it's harder for them to walk away. Mm-hmm. So somehow under pressure, they came up with the money. They, you know, they bought on other properties and things like that. So they were able to close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But there's situations like that could happen, you know, and if you're stuck in that, renegotiate with the seller or get a lower price if you can. If you can't, then do a vendor take back or get mortgaging from, you know, a lot of people actually think about having to go to A lenders all the time, like the big five banks, right? You can always go to B lenders that might give you a little more flexibility in your mortgage, right? Sure. In your yep. approvals or even go private. Yeah. Private lending for five years. Yeah. It'll or be even a little like bit more a year expensive. or two years, right? Yeah. True. But the thing is, you know, everybody's always afraid of private lending, but like, it's not that bad if you're paying interest only. It's pretty much the same thing if you're not amortizing. Yeah, your interest cost might be double, but you're not amortizing the mortgage. So, really, or getting like charged like a huge sue, like like a legal fee. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. So, so it's like that that six seven percent is cheaper than being sued and whatever. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. Because right. the downturn is essentially it's going to force everyone to join a waiting game, uh, right. wait for things to start upticking again. Right. Right. So, you know, in the same time, token, if, if prices go up, right, sellers don't come to the buyer and say, hey, I need more money or I'm not going to close. Yeah. That's kind of ridiculous too, right? Exactly. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, it's unfortunate that the situation happens, but, you know, the Bank of Canada had to control inflation. They had to tame it. It's getting out of hand, really. And, you know, what can we do? And unfortunately, there's some markets that are going to get massacred and hurt, like ours, like the real estate market, because it's so interest rate dependent. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Right now, we're seeing buyers actually rush into the market because they've locked in some good rates, but they have a deadline to buy by. Right, with the rate holds, right? Yep. So that that's also propping up the market. I think a lot of the rate holds have expired since the first rate hikes in March, right? So uh, maybe the second rate hikes, some people are still locked in for that, and they're yep. worried. You know, I have some buyers that are actually cash-only buyers. They don't even need mortgages, so they're just waiting for, for the market to drop even more if it drops. They to pick up a good deal. Yeah. 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 So, and and also, a lot of people are are looking to sell and in favor of renting as well too. Yeah. Right. Just mm-hmm. to see the uncertainty and stuff. Right. Just because they, you know, they don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. It feels like they're trying to buy time. Right. 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 So I think the rental market's going to explode this year. It you already know, has. Yeah. Exactly. Where there's affordability issues. You seeing bidding wars on on rentals? Yeah. You got to. Yeah. 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 It's weird. Like everything is going by really quick as far as what I can see. Yeah, it's funny because like I have a friend that's looking in the north side, like the new market area. And it's like they purposely list like entire home for like 2900 I was like, okay. I, then she's like, oh, yeah, I listed low, blah, blah, blah. I'm like trying to get a bidding war off of a lease. <laughs> like, you know. Did she set an offer date or something? Yeah. What? Yeah, we're starting to see those again. For leases. It's crazy. Yep. So. Huh. Well, yeah, I, I think even with the rising interest rates, you know, if, if prices come down, it's not going to get any more affordable. And that's one of the articles that was in the news today, right? Mm-hmm. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are people going to do for affordability? Roommates, sisters. Right? Family. Family. You can live with other people. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, combine your, your incomes together with another person and buy it together. Yeah. And I was just telling somebody, too, that if they don't have enough money to buy something and they're in a house, say, you know, they, they need a three bedroom, four bedroom house in a suburb with kids and all that, but they only have enough to buy like a 600,000 place. Why don't you buy something, rent it out, at least get some equity in the market and continue renting in place where you're at now. Yeah. 
I just outside of like an investment. Mm, sorry, my throat. Outside, of, I just outside of an investment. It kind of just sucks because I feel like it's the opposite of what's been happening recently since the pandemic. I don't think anybody wants to shack up with anybody, you know, combining with siblings or family or or friends, whoever. Just because during the pandemic, the re, the one of the reasons why prices have shot up is because people want more space, and then the people who have those places you know, could price whatever they wanted to at that point in the pandemic. Yeah, it for sure. I sucks. think there's less people wanting to live with other people. That's what I'm talking about. You got to live with somebody like family or somebody that you, you know, your best friend or somebody you trust, right? Not just a random stranger to get exactly. a roommate. Yeah. But, you know, I think we're coming kind of to the, like the Manhattan style of, of living where it's like you're expected to live with roommates. Yeah. You know, it's, it's uncommon to not have a roommate. Or you're more likely to go for a studio apartment than you were before. If right. you're around by yourself. Right, right. And that, that gets kind of crammed too, right? Like mm-hmm. nobody really wants to live in a studio if they don't have to. At least we don't have 10-story walk-ups in, in Toronto. I know, right? With no laundry. It's, laundry is <laughs> an amenity, right? Yeah, Which yeah, is yeah. kind of crazy. So, yeah, I think affordability is going to be sh- shrinking. But, you know, on the on the positive note, as affordability shrinks, there's a lot more amenities in the city, a lot more people, a lot more things to do. And it just makes it more wonderful. Like all these new restaurant pop-ups that we've seen, right? All these cool little specialty boutiques of whatever, right? Yeah, right. You know? World class entertainment, like that's that's pretty pretty cool to live in, and uh, some people sacrifice their living space for that and affordability, like yeah. you know, correspondingly affordability for sure. And that's what we see in places like Hong Kong, where people spend a majority of their time outside, you know, partaking in businesses <laughs> and, and parties and restaurants rather than staying at home. And they really only use their home to to sleep, sleep. and shower. Yeah, really, because you know, to be honest, over there it's cheaper to eat outside than to actually buy groceries and cook. Yeah, for sure. At least recently, with these inflation. <laughs> Well, in Hong Kong, I don't believe Trad- here, Traditionally, but, yeah. 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 Unless you shop at like a wet market and you get a good deal, it's really cheaper to just Some eat right. soup. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, going back. <laughs> Some crab, crab legs. <laughs> <laughs> going back to. Um, that soup. soup, man. That's where it came from. Going back to <laughs> buyer's remorse. Okay. Turtle soup. Going back to buyer's remorse. Talk about COVID, man. Outside of anything like <laughs> fiscal. Outside of anything fiscal. Like what is a good tip for anybody going through some type of buyer's remorse because this isn't just people who are closing somewhat recently. Like anybody who bought it in the past year at a high compared to now is always, at least all my family is talking to me about like how, how they can go through it, how they can handle it personally. I mean, it's really about what their plans were when they initially bought the property, right? Were they thinking about selling in the next year or two? Mm-hmm. If they're planning on living in it or holding it as an investment, they shouldn't worry about it too much because yeah. like all things in life, it's cyclical. Yeah. I could see like mentally how stressful that can be for you. I mean, I'm not a buyer right now, but the best tip I gave them at the time was like, you're in, you have, you got yeah, it. So exactly. that's all that matters right now. Yeah. I don't think anyone was worried when they were holding on to real estate yeah. desperately during the great depression. Mm-hmm. Like, look at where they are now. Well, yeah. Even from the last downturn in 2017 till now, like if you buy the peak of the market there, you're still up ahead if you're looking at now in a longer time frame, right? So I think it went out there. I don't think the issue is whether they have the, the remorse of buying it because they bought it too high or whatever it is. I think it's just more the affordability issue. Mm-hmm. If it's not appraising, you know, yeah. if, if they're the, they can't get the lending that they need to get and they have to come up with cash, yeah. how's that going to happen? That's a real problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the, the same thing question that was brought up to me with my client who just recently sold was the same thing. It's like, oh, like, you know, we sold... You know, we, we bought something a little bit more and blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, but back in 2017 when you bought and you guys were worried because it downturned, 
and look, now it shot up 400K. You know what I mean? So was, if you're holding it for the long term, you're fine. You know, because obviously people still need to buy. People still need to move. More immigrants are coming. You know, it just it takes a little bit of time. Yeah, I guess naturally, if you look at it through like an economic aspect, it's always going to go through that, that wave of just... Yeah, the, the, the charts have it, right? Yeah. Like every year there's always like that little dip. On that front, I do have a question. During a market like this, with you know the trajectory going downwards, would it be prudent to use a financing condition again for our offers? Yeah, it could be. I mean, depending on the on the situation, right? Like, I'm still seeing bidding wars in some hot properties. You know, the the lower price freehold and and the one bedroom condo. Sometimes you're still seeing bidding wars. So depends how competitive it is, really. But certainly, I think having a financing condition to make sure that your your ducks in a row for sure is important. And, you know, traditionally before the market got so crazy, people would use financing conditions to get appraisals done as well too. So they mm. feel guaranteed that they, they were able to lend, uh, borrow the money they need to on the property. Because remember, like lending is based on two things. It's based on the borrower's criteria and the property's criteria. Mm. So, you know, you're, you have to meet your GDS and TDS ratios, make sure your income supports the expenses, but also that the property's worth what they say it's worth. Yeah, right. So, yeah, certainly that's a good strategy to use a financing condition if, if the situation warrants it. But in speaking specifically with buyer's remorse, you know, like, yeah, it's a, it's a legal contract. You can't get out of it. Like, what are you going to do, right? Yeah. You know, every situation is different, of course, and the seller might be a little bit different too. Like, I came across one from our brokerage. There was a, a seller that was older, you know, kind of near the end of life, almost in a sense, where they only had a few more years to really enjoy that that wealth that they've accumulated and they bought it for like nothing is paid off and things like that. Right. So the seller was like, you know, I don't want to go through this whole issue of suing, keeping the deposits in there for two years that now they can't sell the property and they got to go sue the, the buyer and all that. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't cool for what the, what the buyer did, but it is what it is, right? Like the situation, they were lucky to, to get that. Right. Cause most mm-hmm. sellers don't have that option. Like if they're selling, mm-hmm. if they're selling to buy something else, they need the money. And if they can't close on something else that they bought, because the person that bought their place can't close on it, then there's a whole ripple effect. Yeah, exactly. You know, and a great book to read about this kind of stuff is is the Keller Williams stuff, like we're in KW and all that. But the KW Shift book, that's a good book to read on strategies on what happens when the market shifts, right? Like how to bulletproof your transactions, mm-hmm. right? And we actually we do some of those courses as well too. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, to speak with buyers remorse, like what can, what can you do really? Like, have you regretted anything? Like a meal that you just had or something. You know what I mean? Like, what are you going to oh, do? Every time. You already have the restaurant. Like, what do you do? You already have the food in your stomach. Like, you can't turn back, you know? Like, right now, yeah. What do you do in situations with other buyers remorse? You know, like other things that you buy. I mean, there's no return policy. Yeah, no you return policy. You just got to see the, the positive side of it. You know what I mean? Like, you get through it. Like, you, you have a house now. You came from a condo, so now you have a house. Like, okay, I get it. You, you feel like you waste, but now you have a house. You yeah, know? Like, and that's what I've trying to been. I've trying. I'm trying to enforce on, you know, my family that ask me those type of questions. Like, look, you got a you got a big upgrade. No matter what the price is, you got the upgrade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do what it takes to get there. Yo, your family bought without us. What? This was like wow. before. <laughs> this was before. I'm talking. Like, that's mic. why I'm Cut saying like it's mic. not just <laughs> people who had closed recently. I'm I'm talking yeah, about like yeah, just joking. Joking. No, it's uh-huh. a job. Yeah, it, it's it's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow. But you're right, Botter. It's like a, it's like a mindset shift. You just got to yeah. look at it in a different light. Yeah, what you what do they say? Like what you focus on, change the way you look at things, the way the way you look at things will change. If you start looking at the problems, you you forget your goals. But then if you continue with your goals, then you forget your problems. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, well, what else? 
No, that was all my questions for that. I guess the next one would just be what what does affordability mean in Toronto? <laughs> Toronto's not going to be affordable anymore. To be honest, I hate to say it. Like it's a big city. Why should it be affordable? You know? Like, yeah. Okay, we need it. To, okay, I shouldn't say that. We need it to be affordable because we need it to be sustainable, and it can't be just a whole bunch of rich people here. Because what just, is affordability, though? Well, right what now there's a there's an argument that's happening online that's saying you know what's the difference between affordability and accessibility? It's different when something's affordable. It's different when housing's accessible. So what the city city of Toronto publishes in affordability rates, right? They say for one bedroom it should be I think it's like thirteen or fourteen or something like that, and then a two bedroom is like eighteen hundred or something. Obviously, it doesn't exist in Not Toronto, but no. they do it based on the average income of all Toronto or whatever, however they use the information, maybe stats mm-hmm. count or something, and they take a percentage of that. I think it's like thirty percent or whatever. I don't know what the formula is, but they they do publish it, mm-hmm. and that's what they they based the rent geared income stuff. They, that's what they based all their Toronto community housing platforms on. Yeah. And when they force uh, projects to be affordable, to have affordable housing, they base it on that. Yeah. So what does it mean to be affordable? It could be an overall, like it's different for everybody. Obviously, it just depends on the income you make. And you're spending. Right. A lot of people don't realize they spend a lot on random stuff. Like, for example, this coffee. Six bucks. You know what I mean? McDonald's one dollar. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like it depends what you do. Like, I mean, you spend your money at 20 cents a cup. <laughs> exactly. So it's just like what Killing you do your daily coffee. days. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's free. Is, is this is this your your life choices? You know what I mean. Like I'm a lot a lot of people. Like I I I speak to them. And I'm just like, oh my god! Like they would spend money on like buying bottles and stuff, and they're like, oh cool. Like so that you, you own couple properties. Like no, I rent. I'm like dude, like really? <laughs> like I, I'm not trying to knock anybody down, but like it's all perspective and like yeah. Like what you want in your goals in your life, right? If you're okay with that, you're okay with it. Perfectly fine. Nothing wrong with it, but it's just shocking, you know? Like, yeah. And then when I speak to somebody else who's like dropping like $10,000, but then he has a great business and doing this. So he's bringing out clients. Like, you know what I mean? So you kind of get an idea of like, okay, people's like, it's either you want to be wealthy or just want to be part time rich, right? Make until you make it. Well, I mean, because, okay, so for context, Potter's fiance is a partner at a club and a prominent club in downtown Toronto, restaurant club. Yep. And he's there pretty much all the time. So he gets to see the characters that come in and people that spend money. And yeah. by talking to them, some people are faking it and some people are making it. Yeah, exactly. So it's like either you're doing something and like, you know, inspiring other people or you're just doing it just because you're doing it. Because it's just social media and everything makes people want to be like this cool person and like, you know, dropping money on bottles. But then it kind of like ruins them in the future. You know, as everything, back. yeah, as, as everything continues to go up, you don't realize it because it's not in their goal, I guess, right? Which is fine. If you're happy with it, you're happy with it. But you know what? When That's is exactly when. what it is. It's delayed right. gratification. Yeah. When is when? Because then when you realize everyone's like, oh, shit, this guy is doing this, this guy's doing that. And next thing you know, I'm still here. What am I doing? <laughs> right? I can't afford anything, yeah. you know? So it's like, but. It's a lot of people stuck in that trap. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. It just becomes a cycle. You're yeah. used to it. No, believe me, I, I feel like sometimes I'm in that trap, right? Because I don't own yet. So when I was asking about affordability, I think I was kind of looking for like a number almost per se. It's different for everybody. Yeah, man. just like, because you guys you... threw it around a lot in when we were talking about buyer's remorse. So I'm like, what is affordable? What is that? Well, how the banks price? define your affordability and how you can borrow is basically the GDS and TDS ratios. So that's gross debt service, which basically is... 32%, 36% of your, like whatever percentage, I and mean, it changes from time to time and bank to bank. But generally, it's called a third of your income, mm-hmm. your gross annual income before taxes. So say you make 
I don't know, whatever, a hundred grand for simple numbers. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're basically saying that with all the payments, principal, interest, taxes, maintenance, and heating, then that only can work out to 36,000 a year. So basically 3000 a month. Right. And right. after that, TDS means if you have any other debt obligations like car payments or credit cards, student loans, things like that, then that's your total debt service. That combined with your GDS ratio, or your, or your outstanding debts in your GDS can be no more than 42% or 40-something percent. Yeah, 40 yeah. Something. Right, whatever rate they give you, whatever the bank says. Talk to a mortgage broker to give you the exact numbers or, or, or lender. Yeah. But essentially, that's what they deem as affordability for mortgages. Okay. Right? Yeah. That's in addition to... that's So whatever that number is, that's your borrowing power right now they might make exceptions obviously like you can go a little bit higher or below your gds your numbers your ratio and then whatever else you have on down payment is what you can actually afford okay so, yeah yeah that pretty much wraps up that question on affordability for i think sacrifice. regular any regular person yeah, out there you just gotta make sacrifices right the question is how do you make a f- toronto more affordable that's another topic we can discuss but in the next uh, next podcast but yeah, everybody's aligned to the problem. Everybody wants Toronto to be more affordable, but nobody wants to build affordable housing because think about it. Who's going to take less money on all that risk that they got to put on? Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. So it is an issue. And I think the government can do certain things that, that are a little bit different than what they're doing now that might tweak it a little bit, but you know, whatever. That's another topic. Cool. cool. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and I'll catch you guys in the next podcast. Remember, all the old ones before this all kind of suck, so <laughs> Boardwalk Talk if you want to. Yeah, we call it Boardwalk Talks, so we're going to change Boardwalk. the name to Broadview Table Talks because right now we're sitting around a table and talking about this, and they're going to be on video. So thanks for watching, listening. Thanks. Bye. 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 Add it up.